So Deuteronomy chapter 6 from verse 1. Now this is the commandments, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised, in the land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as signs on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abram, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you, you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear, and shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God is in your midst, um, is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test, as you tested him in Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, and his testimonies, and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you that you may go in and take possession of the, the good land the Lord swore, swore to give to your fathers by thrusting out your, all your enemies from before you as the Lord has promised. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the, and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then, then you shall say to your son, we were... Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed signs of signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes, and he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these things, all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive 
as we are this day. And it is, and it will be righteousness for us. For, sorry, and it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all His commandments before the Lord our God, as He has commanded us. I'd encourage you to keep your Bibles open, so because we'll be referring to them throughout uh, the course of this morning's message as we consider uh, God's word and look for his instruction for our lives. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on his word as we hear it this morning. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, your word is true, and your word is the way of life as it reveals to us Jesus Christ. And you are training us in all of life's circumstances to look to you, to rely upon you. And we pray that you would help us to hear your word, that your spirit would be upon us and among us, we may receive this word, and by believing it, we may have life in Jesus Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, this morning we look at uh, the call that God gives us in his word for covenant training, for training for life, for training to live out our relationship with him, the God who, who delivers us, the God who saves us. And boys and girls, you may recognize that this is a time, Deuteronomy is the second sermon of Moses, a, a second giving of the law. That's what it means, the second law, Deuteronomy. But it, it's, a, it's an extended sermon covering 30 chapters uh, before Israel goes into the promised land because it's, it's Israel, uh, Moses' farewell message. He's about to die. He knows that he's not allowed to go into the promised land, but he wants to under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wants to impart these truths to Israel. And you can imagine with Israel, they're about to enter the promised land. They'd waited a long time to get to this point in time. Over 40 years earlier, they had come up to this point in time when they could have entered into Egypt, but, but they heard the report of the spies, and the spies said, it's too difficult for us, let's not go up. God has tricked us. And they were disobedient, and God said they needed to wander for 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years. Boys and girls, have you ever had to wait to go on a holiday? And maybe that holiday is just a couple months away, and it seems like it takes forever to get there. And yet, as, as the days draw close, there's anticipation. If you're like my children... You have your bags packed a couple of days before you have to go, and you're thinking about what you're going to pack in your bags. Well, Israel had to wait 40 years. And now they were coming, and, and they're, they're about to, to enter into the promised land, the land that God had promised to Abraham so long ago, over 400 years earlier. God had promised, Israel, this is going to be your home. Maybe it's not a holiday. Maybe it's moving into a new house. I remember the eager expectation that was in our family when we moved from the United States to New Zealand. Everything was packed up carefully, placed into a container a week or so before we left. And then the, the expectation and anticipation built. We're going to live in a new country, a new place, a new home. What's it going to be like? And so it is with Israel. 
And then God comes and he, he says, now, now this is how I want to teach you to live. I want to train you. This is a call for covenant training. And, and this is part of our responsibility as parents and part of our responsibility as a church. And these are important instructions for all of life, for all of our lives. Now we're, we're not going to a, a physical promised land. We're going to an eternal promised land. But even here, through Jesus Christ, by faith in him, we belong in God's kingdom. And as citizens of his kingdom, as those who dwell in his kingdom, we and our children are called to live out our relationship with God. That's what the obligation is for, for Toby and, and Bex with regard to Miles, to, to teach Miles what it means to be a child of God, a citizen of God's kingdom, to find hope and help in the work of Jesus Christ. In our homes, in our community, in our country, and in our church, to live a life that shows that we belong to God. And so we all need this. The focus this morning isn't simply on Toby and Bex and their responsibility in raising Miles, not on all parents and raising their children. Surely it is that, but it's much broader than that. It's for all of us, whether we have children or not, whether we're young or old, whether we're married or single. How are we to live? How are we to live that shows that, that we live in God's kingdom, that we belong here, that we are called in this way. The call for covenant training. The call to, to teach ourselves to work out our relationship with God and the relationship that he has established with us. There's four points that I'd like to look at from Deuteronomy 6. Uh, first of all, constant activity. Secondly, purposeful promises that God gives to us. Thirdly, watchful preparation. And fourthly, a grounding in grace. First of all, we need to begin with, with constant activity. It's found in these first nine verses, and you'll, you'll hear these words. There's, there's three activities that are highlighted throughout all of Deuteronomy 6. It's actually throughout all of, of Deuteronomy. As, as God comes to his people and says, I've redeemed you, I've secured you in my gracious relationship, here's what I want you to do. And, and it's a calling for us. Three activities, hear, do, and teach. To live out our relationship with God, those are three activities that God calls us to hear, do, and teach. Hear, first of all. Hearing in the Bible is not just have the earbuds in and hear the background noise and just have it there. It's not the white noise that we're so familiar with of, of all the sounds going on and then tuning it out. Hearing in the Bible is about paying attention, listening carefully. Listen to what God says in verse 3. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them. They go together. Hear and care in doing. Hear. The most famous portion of uh, chapter 6 is verse 4. Hear, O Israel. In Jewish tradition, it's, it's known as the Shema Israel. And every morning and every night, this is said in a Jewish household. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Know who your God is. Listen to this God who has established his word. 
How important this is for us in our always-on digital world with a 24-7 news cycle. Learn to listen carefully. Learn to discern clearly what God is saying to you. Let his word filter in and give your attention to it in such a way that it filters out all the other noise that's going on in your life. Listen to me, God says. Listen and live. So important is this that if we tune out God's word, if we dismiss ourselves and are uncaring about what God says, it will lead to death. God is calling us, let my word, hear me, listen to me. Let your word capture your mind, your heart, your strength. Listening to God's word is about the intake and the influence in your life. That's the constant activity. It's the constant training. Listen, listen, hear. In the New Testament, it comes across as behold, pay attention. Give your heart to hear what God is saying to you. Be students of God's word. That's the constant activity. And, and here, not just so that you have the information, but then we hear the next activity, do. We're not only to be hearers of the word, we're to be doers of the word. Do. And the first thing we need to do when we hear God's word is we have to believe. Faith is an activity. It's an activity of the heart. It's an activity of the mind. It's what we are engaged in. God's word says this is the most important activity is the summons for us. It comes through in verse 6, and these words that I am commanding you today, not only do you need to hear them, they shall be on your heart. Take them into your soul and thrive on them. Believe. To do is to believe. You first have to believe, and then you have to act. What you believe will direct your life. And so God says when you've heard the word, verse 3, be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you. Direct your life. If you know that God watches what you are doing and he blesses faithfulness and he curses disobedience, then consider what you do. Not by anybody else's standard, not by what anybody else's thinks, but what God says, what God calls you to. Toby and Bex, this is what you, how you can help Miles. People of God, this is how we can help each other. To consider that we all live before an audience of one. When all the world is trying to squeeze us into the mold, when there's peer pressure and social pressure and cancel culture, and we have to guard our words because how are people going to react? Isn't it liberating that God says the first thing you need to do is remember your audience. There's one God who watches over everything. And he's the one. He's the one that when you serve him, he will make your way clear. He will give you the strength to carry on. And though you struggle, you will be sustained by him. 
Where you respond faithfully and do what is faithful in his sight, he will bless you. And he will make his promises realized in your life. So hear and do. But then also teach. Teach. Once you take it to heart and know what you need to do, then teach. Teach. This is a special prerogative. This is what our Father in heaven does. He does it with his children. He does it here in the book of Deuteronomy. The whole book of Deuteronomy is, is a series of life lessons of how we can show who our Father is, how we can listen and learn, how our Father wants, to live in a, wants us to live in a variety of different ways circumstances. This is what Jesus commissions his church to do. We heard about that in the baptismal form. It comes from Matthew 28 as he's, he's preparing his disciples for his departure. He calls the church to make disciples of the nations, to go out into all the world and make disciples of the nations in, in two ways, baptizing and teaching. That's how we make disciples. That's our calling as the church of Jesus Christ. This is what we are to be doing. We're, we're, we're to be doing, but we're to be teaching as well. We're to be teaching who God is. There is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's a gracious God who looks upon us in our sins. All the waters of baptism remind us of the gr glorious lessons that, that when we were unclean and imperfect, God showed his love toward us, and he taught us the depth of that love by the gift of his Son. And it's a calling for us as parents. How gloriously Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy reminds us of this constant activity in all of life's circumstances. When you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, when you go in the house, when you go out of the house, when you go on the road, wherever you go, use the opportunity to teach. To teach Miles, to teach your family members, to teach each other, to teach your spouse, to teach those with whom you have influence. Teach them. Teach them to listen, to do, and to learn who our God is. You know, when we think about these three activities, hear, do, teach, I think biblically, this is, this is a beautiful understanding of what love is. Love. How do you teach someone to love? Love is so much more than a feeling. It's not just I feel good about people. We're, we're to love our enemies. You don't feel good about your enemies. How do we love? How do we learn to love? How can we teach our children to love? How can we teach one another to love? How can we learn ourselves how to love in a, in a God-like way? This is what discipleship is. This is why Jesus calls us to be followers of him. It's the blessing of the covenant family to show this in the church of Jesus Christ by hearing, doing, and teaching what God has said. It's a call for covenant training for all of us. But secondly, there's, there's purposeful promises that God gives us that, that are an expression of, of God's goodness. 
that you may fear. Notice as, as we go through this in, in verse 2, there's these purpose clauses that, that come up. Verse 2, that you may fear. It, it, so that there's a purpose behind these activities and, and they're promises that God may give. When, when we hear, do, and teach, then you learn how to fear the Lord your God. To fear him, to honor him, to respect and regard him. It's a childlike adoration that, that a child... Uh, has for their father who loves and cares for them. A childlike adoration of the God who's going to give the promised land, who fulfills his word, a glorious purpose clause, that you may live with God. Verse 3, Hear therefore in Israel, be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you. There's a purpose here that it may go well with you, that you may live out this relationship with him. See, that's the point of, of these activities, that we would see our reliance in God's goodness in sustaining us. Or again, verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, that you may love God with your whole being, with your whole energy, with all that you are called to. You see, God is the, the connection between the activity and the promise of the outcome. That's the purpose of baptism, to show us again the glory and the privileges of God's promise. That's what we heard in the form. That's what we're mindful of. I want you to hear, do, and teach so that you will recognize the covenant blessings, the covenant privileges, the privileges of the promises that God says, I am your God and you're my people. You belong to me. The privilege and the promise of covenant membership. That Jesus blesses the little children and says the kingdom of God belongs to such as them. A purposeful promise so that we would live and we would trust and we would find hope and help that is woven into our soul for every experience that we can say, yes, but we're the people of God and we'll cling to that. Not because we feel it, not because we're worthy of it, but because God in his grace has said it to us. Yes, I love you. And I want you to be with me. A purposeful promise. But thirdly, as we proceed through, through Deuteronomy 6, there's a watchful preparation. Covenant training is, is a call to, to guard your hearts. If you have these activities and you embrace the promises and cling to them, then you need to guard your hearts. It's like a, a valuable piece of art that it takes a, a security system and, and maybe some guards to, to keep watch over our souls because our, our souls can be distracted, our souls can be turned aside. And there's, there's two ways that, that God mentions this. The first is found in verses 10 through uh, 15. 
Guard your hearts because you're going into the place of blessing. Now, this is a, this is a bit of a curiosity, but it, it reminds us again of, of how careful we need to be as we live in New Zealand in a land of plenty, as we flourish and function in this society. God says to Israel, you're going into the promised land and you're going to go into places that you haven't contributed to at all. Houses that are going to be full of good things that you did not fill. Cisterns, wells that you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees in the old ancient times in Israel was this was a sign of wealth, this was a sign of significance, this was a sign of mana, that you'd been there a while, that you'd have established roots. You get vineyards and olive groves because they take so long to produce and to be fertile. And you didn't plant them. And it's all going to be yours. But this watchful preparation requires care. Be careful. When you receive these blessings that you do not forget, don't forget the reason you have this is because God has given them to you. Don't forget the gifts that God has given you in his grace. In other words, don't neglect. The way you guard your heart is you do not neglect the recognition and the realization of your dependence on God. Toby and Beck says, you start out, you like to think you're going to be the perfect parents. Everyone has this goal and this ambition. You know so much. You've learned so much from your parents. And what a blessing that has been. And you realize that what you've received, you, you haven't secured it. You've, you've learned it by example from others, parents, grandparents. And what a blessing that has been. And yet, for all of that, don't forget. Don't forget. Don't anyone forget. It's not just Toby and Bex. It's all of us. Don't forget. To realize anything in your life is completely dependent upon God's work and his activity with you. And also, don't be tempted. We forget when we're tempted to look around us. And this was the danger in Israel. This was the danger in the promised land. Verse 14. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. Their gods were fertility gods. Their gods were, were gods that could, could help them be successful, help them obtain a, a measure of ease and comfort. God says, don't Go there. Don't follow them. Guard your heart that you don't forget. You are dependent. Miles is dependent. If the Lord will bless you with grandchildren in years to come, they are dependent. We are all dependent on God in his grace. Guard your hearts with the realization that all the blessings you've received have been a gift from him. And yet, you are still dependent. So in times of blessing. But then God goes on to times of need. Verses 16, 17. He reminds them of their personal history and the danger. The prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave. Guard your hearts in times of need. Israel had wandered through the wilderness and their walk with God had exhausted them. They were worn out. They were tired. They were sick 
of doing things God's way. And they complained, God, your way is too hard. Who's going to care? Why have you taken us out of Egypt? We had it so much better under the oppression of Egypt than here, living in the wilderness with you. They forgot God. Guard your hearts in times of need. May you not complain and say, God, your way is too hard. Your hand is too heavy. We can sympathize with this as a congregation. We've been through a time of testing and we rejoice in the baptism. And what a, what a glorious occasion it is as we, we go through this time of testing. But these waters of baptism, which we've seen sprinkled, are a reminder to us of the depth that God will go to secure our life. Don't complain. Don't get bitter. Don't give in to the despair and the difficulty that the Christian journey may take you on. But trust that nothing will separate you from his love. Have a watchful preparation. Don't test your God by saying, we don't deserve this. We deserve better. Because in reality, that's not the character of his grace. And lastly, not only is there constant activity and purposeful promises, not only is there watchful preparation for, for receiving these promises that we guard our heart, there's fourthly, grace-empowered observation. And this is verses 20 through 25. There will come times when the why question arises. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of these testimonies and statutes? Why? Why rules? Why statutes? Why be so concerned about seeking first the kingdom of God? Why do we need to hear, do, and teach? Why are you as parents so focused on the word of God? Why as a church do we need to, to hear God's word? Why can't we do something differently? What do you point to? What do you focus your children's faith on? What do you focus your faith on to, to motivate obedience, to energize and excite the walk of the Christian life? Then say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of there, out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And he showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against the Egyptians and against Pharaoh. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us and give us the land. And he swore that he swore to give our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do these statutes, to fear the Lord for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are here this day. Speak to them. Show them. How do you answer those why questions? Why be so stringent about the word of God? Why be so, so focused on the word of God? Why be so, so studious with the word of God? Because it reveals to us the gracious character of God. He's a God who sets free from the power of sin. He's a God who liberates from the bondage and captivity of sin. He's a God who shows us his goodness. He's a God who has given us his word and given us these directions to preserve us alive to keep us safe in our relationship. Speak about the gospel of redemption. For Israel, this was shown in the deliverance of sin from Egypt. 
For us, it's shown in the waters of baptism. Take and go again to the baptismal font and say, oh, but remember, remember we've been baptized. God has set us free from something far more significant than slavery in Egypt. He shed the blood of his son to secure our eternal inheritance. Let the baptismal font be that answer, that motivation, that encouragement, and that excitement in the Christian walk. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. But by faith in Christ, we've been baptized into his death and raised to newness of life. And this sacrament strengthens us for our journey of grace. And we would have grace-empowered observation of what God calls us to. And when we do that, God says this, it will be righteousness for us. If we're careful to do all this commandment, if we cling to his word, if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we walk as his disciples, there's grace-empowered observation and a joyful devotion to our God. That's the call for covenant training. Constant activity. Hear, do, teach. Purposeful preparation that you may fear the Lord and that you may love the Lord and that you may live with the Lord. And a watchful preparation. Guard your hearts in times of abundance or in times of need. Don't forget how good your God is. And be grounded and rooted in grace that observation. Amen.